This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. Share a few statistics with you that show you how great of a God he is. The population of Albemarle is 16,004, according to the U.S. Census Bureau from 2016. The population of Stanley County is 60,714, according to the U.S. Census Bureau, again, from 2015. I want to share with you the total population, total attendance that we've had here at Vortex in the last six years. Look at this. It's 90,000. 650. That's total number of people who have walked into the doors here. Attendance so far this year is 12,921. That's a lot. It's a lot that we've been trusted with. It's not easy. As a matter of fact, it's a lot of work. It's a total of 312 set up and takedowns. <laughs> if y'all have been a part of that before. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a total of about 1,248 worship songs that have been learned and led. It's a total of somewhere around 3,432 diapers that have been changed. <laughs> that is a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And so what I want to do is I want to take you to a passage of Scripture where the Apostle Paul is talking specifically to the church. In a church that is in the midst of doing the work of ministry, the work of redemption, the work of carrying this message of Jesus that is so sacred that we have been entrusted with. And we find this passage literally the next chapter over from where we have anchored our theme this year in Galatians 5. We find it in Galatians 6, beginning in verse 7. I'm going to read. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. God is a just God, which means that God is going to make sure that no matter if things bad happen, that he is going to right what has been wronged. He is a just God. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always, always, always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest eternal life, everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, Whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. The first thing that I want you to see out of this passage today, this is in your notes today, is that we live within a system of planting and harvesting. We, we plant, we will plant, 
in our actions, in our attitudes, the way that we go about living, we will plant in life, and what we plant will eventually become what we harvest. It is a system that God created, a system of planting and harvesting. We see this in verse 7 where it says very plainly, you will always harvest what you plant. And this is a tension that the Apostle Paul pulls in in the chapter before. The writer of this letter to the church in Corinth says in the, the chapter before, if you follow your own sinful desires, you do things your own way, then you're going to get this kind of fruit in your life. But if you follow the Spirit of God, then you will experience what we have come to term term the the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, and self-control, that you will get the good things in life, the things that we want, but it comes from that choice. And he's pulling in this tension again, this tension that we have the capacity to choose to do things our own way or to choose to follow the Spirit of God. And so he says, those who live only to satisfy their spirit, their sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the spirit will harvest everlasting life from the spirit. If you plant sin, you'll harvest death. But if you plant righteousness, if your life is living to make God smile, you will live in a harvest of life, real, authentic life. But many of us, we we honestly don't like the tension that exists between planting and harvesting. If you've ever worked with a farmer or you've ever had a garden, you know this. Planting is hard work. It's, it's, It's just hard work. And if someone were to come along to you today and ask, how are you doing? Many of us would say, I'm doing okay, or, I'm doing good, I'm having a good day, or I'm doing a little rough. But the, the, the real, most authentic answer that we can probably give is, I'm doing better than I deserve. Because today we're actually living in a time where as one of the New Testament writers, we're harvesting that which we did not plant. We are living in a day where we harvest grace and mercy. We didn't plant the seeds for that. Jesus did. And our lives are a little bit better than we deserve, if we're honest. But it still is present. The reality that our actions represent a a planting and that there's then after that, there's a harvesting of what we planted and that planting is work. Really, in this passage, I see something that many of us, if we're honest, we don't like, and it's just the simple truth. We're called to work. We're called to it. God wants us to work, and work is hard. Many of you all know that. Because tomorrow morning, that alarm clock's going to be off, going off, and you're going to be like, oh, no, I don't want to go back again. Some of you are like, no, that's not me, Kevin. But well, I'm not talking about a career that you love. I'm, I'm talking about hard work. And there's very few of us that stare hard work in the face and go, man, I'm going to love this. Now, afterwards, we'll look back over and go, look at what I accomplished. I love that. But hard work is just one of those things that it can take a toll on us. 
And in this passage, the, the Apostle Paul talks about how it takes a toll on us. Because many of us have been there. We, we, we've started this journey and stepped in front of something that seemed like it was way too far out and we were never able going to be able to accomplish it. There's no way that we could do this. I can remember a text I got this morning from Lindsay, who's our, our current children's pastor here at Eastgate. And, and she said, I remember six years ago, I was about to lead a, a small group for, for second and third graders, and I was scared senseless. I had no idea what I was doing. Some of y'all have been there before. We asked you to serve in kids, and you're like, all right, but I don't know what I'm going to do. I have no idea what to do with kids. I don't like them, but I'll do it. Right? And you get in there and you start doing it and you start gaining competency and you start understanding the system and you start kind of understanding the way that things work around you. And all of a sudden, the tendency in our hearts is to shift from relying on God, which we did at the very, very beginning because we had no clue what we were doing, to start to rely on ourselves. That's why the Bible tells us several times that it's, it's his strength that we need. That in our weakness, his strength is made perfect in us. That we are able to do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Not all things through my own strength or my own capacities or through my own gifts. No, I'm able to do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so what happens is we start to shift our perspective to our own competencies. And when we start to wane in our strength, which is why I think it is very important for us to recognize that it's probable that we'll get tired of the work that we're called to do. I didn't say you might. I said it's probable. Most likely, you will get tired of the work that God himself, even if you've heard the voice of God direct you into what you're doing, you will get tired and there will come moments when you want to quit. Can I just be vulnerable with you? We're six years in. There have been a lot of days that I've wanted to quit. There have been several times that I've had a typed up resignation letter ready to hand to somebody. And I know that this is where I'm supposed to be, but some of y'all just hard to deal with, y'all. Okay? <laughs> just going to be honest with you. That's some days I just don't want to do it anymore. Because it's hard. And that's why in verse 9 he says this. Let's not get tired of doing what is good. If you memorize scripture in the old KJV the way I did when I was growing up, this scripture read, don't grow weary in doing well. Like you're called to it. Don't get tired of doing what you've been called to do. Because when we get tired, we do something that's very interesting. We throw up walls. We throw up walls. We say, you know what? All right, I'll serve, but I'll serve to this point. All right, here, uh, God, only, only this far. God, I'll love and live in community and relationship, but only to this point. I got hurt. I don't want to go beyond that. Only to this point. Only to this point. 
God, I'll give, but you know that financial hardship I just went through. I was trying to be faithful. God, you let me go through that. You know what? I'll be generous, but only to this point. And the thing about walls is that we put up walls because we think that they'll protect us. We think that they'll protect us. They'll keep people away. There'll be a boundary that keep us safe. But the problem is that wherever you put a wall in your life is where God's blessing on your life ends. I want you to hear that again. Wherever you put a wall in your life is where God's blessing in your life ends. Because as long as you have a boundary in your relationship with him, God goes, I can bless you up to that point, but I can't bless you beyond it. So what ends up happening is that ultimately the walls we build separate us from God. So if there could be something that would be said of who we are as a church decades from now, it would be that we were a people who looked into the heart of God and said, God, whatever you want, whenever you want it, however you want it, I am all yours. No boundaries, no limits. Lead me, take whatever. And let me do it all in your strength. Amen and amen. Because here's the reality that Paul is pointing us to in the scripture. If we refuse to give up, and if we refuse to set boundaries in our relationship with God, we will experience his blessing. We will. We will. That's not a, you might. That's not a, it could happen. It's a promise. You will. Look at what he says. Continuing in verse 9. At just the right time. At just the right time. Y'all say that with me. At just the right time. How many of y'all know that the right time ain't your time? The right time is not when I want it to happen. The right time is not the time that I would love for it to show up and love for God to actually meet my needs. The right time is when God says it's the right time. And sometimes, many times, that means there's a season of waiting before there's a season of blessing. And you want to know what happens in a season of waiting? We get tired. We start building walls, and we grow weary. And the Apostle Paul saying, no, no, at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. If we don't give up. If we refuse to give up, if we say giving up, that's off the table. I'm not backing up. I'm not backing down. I'm not going to let these things that could come against me keep me from my blessing. I'm going to continue to go after God because I know that even in a season of waiting and discouragement, even when my, my strength feels like it's waning, I know that God is there to be my strength. Look at how he ends this. This is, this is insane. I just want you to see how different this is than the way that many of us live. Whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. 
Look at those words. Whenever we have the opportunity. No boundaries. No, uh, you know what? This far, but no more. And the reason Paul was directing us to that is simply because whenever we throw up a boundary, whenever we throw up a wall, God can only bless you as far as you are willing to be committed to him. No boundaries. Whenever. Whenever I have the opportunity to serve, whenever I have the opportunity to give, whenever I have the opportunity to encourage, whenever I have the opportunity to do good, to do good. And some of you, I don't know what your background is. I don't know what your life was like before you got here, but I want you to understand this, that the Bible says that you were created to do good. God made you to do good. You were fashioned by God, by his own hand, to do good works. The Bible says that before you were even formed, he predestined good works for you to do on this earth. He designed you to do good. So whenever we have the opportunity to do good, and let us do that to everyone, not just our friends, not just the people who are the same color as us, not just the people who have the same political views as us, not just the people who think like we do or act like we do or in our friend group, or not just the people that come to our church, not just the people who believe in Jesus, to everyone. No boundaries. No walls. And look how he ends it. Especially to those in the family of faith. He's talking about serving. And he's talking about serving in a church family just like this. And he knows that the journey's not going to be easy. We're taking ground from the devil and we're, 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 we're coming against dark places and we're, we're, we're pushing against ground that has been held by the enemy for decades and, and we're seeing people's lives change. It's not going to be easy. So don't give up because there are lives that hang in the balance. You see, the blessing that hangs isn't just simply that your life would be blessed that your children and your grandchildren and their friends and your neighbors and your co-workers, they all hang in the balance of whether you will or won't quit. The greatest number that I have to share with you today is that since we started on September 9th in 2012, 900 and 56 people have given their lives to Jesus at Vortex. I, don't, I literally don't know how to process that. That's 2% of our city, or 2% of our county, 7% of our city. And it happened because there was a group of you who said, I'm not going to quit. So what hangs in the balance of the next six years? What hangs in the balance of the next 20 years? How many, how many lives are out there? How many broken families that have yet to be mended? How many broken hearts that have yet to be restored? Simply because there's going to be a group of us that refuse 
to quit. God's blessing is on its way in his timing for you and for us if we won't quit. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.